welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless, of course, you subscribe to the views of ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus, in which case I guess I am still Fernanda Prates, but as everything else in the ever-changing natural world, I am also not. Not in the same way I was Fernanda Prates in the last episode anyway, or in the way I'll be Fernanda Prates in the next, but then again, it's not like I will be returning to the same podcast, or the same earth, or the same you, for that matter, so... I guess we're even. In any case, let us not get too caught up in the intricacies of Greek philosophy for several reasons, the main of them being that I do not know anything about it. Seriously, if there are any philosophers or really any person of average intelligence who's ever opened a book listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. About this intro, of course, but also about most things I say and do and think. But you know what I'm not sorry for? My guests, the amazing people who keep dedicating precious time they could be applying to a host of more interesting, productive, and or entertaining activities to be on this show. It's a very odd choice, and unless they're getting some type of tax deduction, I can't say I get it, but I value and appreciate it nonetheless. Today, I am once again joined by one of these otherwise very intelligent people who are obviously prone to making bad decisions. And, in the case of this particular guest, the list of bad decisions goes deeper than their presence here or general involvement with MMA. This is a person who has also decided, out of his own free will, to be my friend. Alarming, I know, but I ask that you please give him a chance. Today's guest is MMA Fighting's Alexander K. Lee. As most of you listening probably know, Lee does everything from reporting and writing to podcasting and publicly defending Limp Biscuit with an unrelenting and frankly unsettling dedication. Lee is insightful, smart, funny, and great company all around, but don't let the calm demeanor and soothing voice fool you. He is also a bad seed. Just ask UFC President Dana White. But we'll get to that in a minute. Alex will get a chance to defend himself from that and the several other accusations I am likely to throw at him on today's show, during which we may or may not also discuss some MMA. Enjoy it, or don't, just keep in mind that a man who is capable of enjoying the music of Limp Biscuit is capable of anything. I really don't think there is a non-awkward way of uh, formally introducing a guest who has seen me drunkenly karaoke to Lady Gaga, so I'm just going to get to it. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Alex. Uh, thank you. Well, you've also seen me uh, uh, drunken karaoke to, well, not drunken, but definitely karaoke to Lady Gaga. So really, we're, we're playing with the same set of cards here. So uh, That's the thing, you. though. You're sober, which I doesn't make this it better true. or worse. This is I'm true. I'm trying to figure out... Uh, yeah, I don't know if this this improves or uh, makes your situation look even more dire. But I've I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both. Uh, I've, heard, <laughs> I've been I've been criticized for uh, sober karaoke, and I've been praised for no. I've mostly been criticized. That's a lot. I've really mostly just been no. Criticized. You're you're yeah. a great karaoke. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to the singing portion uh, of this show soon. I asked you to prepare a set list, so mm -hmm. stay tuned, all of you, to the end of the podcast. This is a lie. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep you hooked, but. Okay, maybe who knows? You, th you, you, th you think it's a lie, yeah. <laughs> if we're feeling inspired, uh, we might rock shallow by the end. Who knows? The night oh. is young. Uh, my first question for you, Alex, since you are my guest and I am the host and this is how it's supposed to work. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to ask the questions, okay. um, unfortunately, because it's a lot of work. Um, have you recovered from Dear Zachary yet? <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, Dear Zachary, the the charming, feel good uh, documentary that you made me watch, uh, which I don't. I mean, I, you say I say made me and I, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching it. But uh, for anyone and I'm sure, uh, uh, Fernando, you've talked about this on uh, your, your podcasts before. Dear Zachary, it is uh, it's it's slightly, emotion <laughs> slightly emotionally devastating, I think would be an accurate way to describe it. Like, it's just a touch devastating. Uh, if you have any sort of like human emotion and any sort of empathy for other people's situations, boy, it is it is something else. Uh, I, I highly recommend it for everyone to watch, but definitely be prepared. If you are the type to feel things for other human beings, please be prepare yourself. I am you not. I am not recovered. <laughs> you showed it to your parents, didn't you? 
I showed it to my parents and I showed it to my uh, my friend who I think her she had just had a child like six months before. I wasn't thinking. I was like, I was like, oh my friend, she <laughs> she, she likes documentaries, and I'd forgotten like she had re- just recently become uh, a mother. And then afterwards, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, maybe in hindsight. Uh, yeah, a little uh, context. Like Alex said, this is a, a documentary <laughs> that is very uh, emotionally mm. impactful. And I show it to people because I like making my friends sad. I think I've watched it like five times with different people because I like seeing the despair in your faces. Sure. I'm a, be- I'm a better so, man now. I'm a better man. Um, now I have that effect on people. Um no, yeah, sure. I do not. I mean, it, I the, it, the, the bar the bar was not very high to begin with, but yeah. <laughs> uh, starting with the actual contents of the podcast, I guess. Um, if we must. Uh, the whole MMA thing, though, like I think it's been done. You talk about Ugh. MMA all the time for MMA fighting. I pretend to talk about MMA for it's- fan bite while actually pushing my Marxist agenda. So I'm kind of over it. Uh, so instead, That's the comments I've seen when you when you tweet stuff, yeah. Which come that I'm like just pushing my marks. Anytime agenda. you tweet anything, yeah, just, that seems to be the response <laughs> to any of your comments. Is you, you, you're pushing an agenda, and I'm like, I, I didn't notice, but uh, you know, the internet's never wrong, so I guess I wasn't aware of these things. But of course, but, yeah, like but, random yeah. Twitter men, like know things. That's why I take they everything they say to heart, which is unfortunate because I really do. Like I really give random Twitter men the power to ruin my life in 280 characters or less. That's my kink. Um, but uh, enough about me. This podcast is all about me. I actually wanted to to talk about you today. I feel like that's the content that the world has been craving, Alex Lee. So I'll start with the one thing that intrigues me most about most of my otherwise highly intelligent guests. Um, how did you end up in this uh, predicament, which uh, meaning my podcast, but more broadly MMA? Yeah, it's it's this is like a uh, uh, no country for old men situation where it's like it seems as simple as a coin toss, but I'm really starting to rethink. <laughs> I'm starting to rethink all the decisions that led me to this exact moment. You know what what was the what was the purpose of, of everything I've done? Uh, you know, I, I again like I think like anyone who gets into uh, to sports writing, sports entertainment mm-hmm. writing, you're a fan. You know, you're a fan first, uh, and for me, it was just a, really a curiosity. I'm I'm a, I'm a big major. I'm a major sports fan in general. And mm-hmm. probably I'm a late bloomer, you know, when it comes to uh, following MMA, I was part of that. I was part of that, that big boom that, you know, when the UFC was really pushing uh, that it was be- MMA was becoming the, the fastest growing sport in, 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 uh, in the world. You know, that was probably like the mid 2000s, early 2000s. I was, I was right there. I was right in that demographic of former pro wrestling fan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just looking for something a little different. And then, you know, we, you saw George St. Pierre, you saw Brock Lesnar go over and it was just a perfect gateway, you know, to like, okay, okay, well, I get it. Brock Lesnar, I understand that. I, I know who this guy is. So <laughs> I was a, I was a filthy casual, I think just like anyone else when they start a sport. And there was something about it that just really hooked me. And I abhor violence. Fernando, you know me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nonviolent man. I yep. solve my problems with words. Sometimes, in the, <laughs> sometimes in the form of music, uh, that's how I resolve yeah. my conflicts. I've been in maybe two or three quote unquote fights in my life, but I think most people know what they mean when they've been in a fight. It's not what we're, you know, not we're talking about like professional fight, like a, a scrap, like a. You've a been in fights, win. probably like in like legit a, fights. Like, no, uh, no, no. Legit is exactly no. See, legit is definitely not the word I would use for it. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I'm talking about like school schoolyard scraps. Yeah, school, but still, that end, like that's something. I've never been in a schoolyard yeah, scrap. That ends as soon as one kid bloodies their own nose by accident. Then okay, yeah, th- those kind of fights. Uh, but yeah, and, and then uh, I, I, I mean, I'll admit, I, I kind of always thought it'd be fun to write about it. I just mm-hmm. never. But you know, you 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 do other things in life. You go to school for other things. You get other jobs. You think, oh, you know, writing about sports is it, it'd be cool, but. Am I really going to do it? And then, uh, yeah, you start a blog. You eventually go to school for it. One thing leads to another. For me, it was really fast after after I decided to turn it into a career. Uh, I, you know, went to a community college and got myself uh, got myself a nice little piece of paper that says I can somewhat write about sports legibly and talk about sports legibly. <laughs> and a then, lie? Uh, I'm kidding. It's uh, not a time. lie. You're great. Big I'm time. sorry. I'm, I'm no. going through some things. Take it out on I'm me. A little take, it out, today. take it out on me. Take it out on me. That's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. And. Uh, 
Yeah, and then you know, uh, again, it's there's really nothing exciting about it. It's it's uh, I got uh, you know internship at the right place, and then uh, that mm -hmm. place things things opened up for me there because other people left their positions, and then uh, eventually, mm -hmm. yeah, was was recruited to MMA fighting, uh, mm -hmm. which was which was nice, which was kind of a cool moment. And uh, I've been in the industry for about uh, maybe five years, about five years, so not not very long at all. That's uh, interesting. You mentioned it because I really don't like knowing you your personality is really not conducive with mma like in the slightest it's not things that i would associate so why do you think it was like you mentioned the pro wrestling thing i can i can see that from afar because in brazil pro wrestling is not a thing so it's not something that like i co culturally grew up with so to me it's just a it's just weird but i i can ap appreciate it from a distance like you know coen brothers movies but that's a whole other <laughs> discussion but what do you think it was like about MMA specifically that really caught you? You know, there, there's a simplicity to it. I feel, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not that's not an insult to, uh, to to the athletes or or the you know the organizations themselves or the or the sport itself. Uh, there's simplicity to just winning and losing, uh, at least when you first start watching. Then later, you know, once you learn mm -hmm. how the sausage is made, it, it's everything becomes a lot more complex. But yeah, at yep. first it was just very cool for me to. I was still sort of in that mindset of. Uh, I, I didn't realize how far along it had come from, uh, you know, the, the the very first UFC's boxing versus sumo versus kickboxing versus Taibo, you know. Um, so I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how legitimate it had become as far as uh, from a competition standpoint. So when I saw it uh, and, and how far it had evolved, I was like, holy crap, this is really fun. Um, and again, I, I, it, it was fortunate that the time I got on, it was during when we had some really great charismatic champions, George St. Pierre. BJ Penn, mm -hmm. Anderson Silva, uh, Chuck Liddell, uh, Rampage Jackson. I can't imagine someone watching MMA during that time and not becoming a fan. Uh, you know, there was such, a, even if you don't like those guys, it's probably uh, some other champion you liked, you know, um, some other or some other contender. There's just so much great talent at that time uh, and, and so much distinct personalities, which is in some ways lacking now for various reasons. But at the time, what a way to get pulled into the sport. So, uh, yeah, that was part of it. And then I just got obsessed with the history uh, mm -hmm. and and how that history is interpreted uh, by the fans, which is still something I think we see, like it, it, how, how people view some, one might view Randy Couture as one of the top 10 greatest fighters of all time. And some people can glance at his record and be like, oh, look at this guy. This guy is like barely over 500, you know? So stuff like that is fascinating mm -hmm. to me. Um, it, it, it goes beyond numbers, which is, uh, which is rare for me. I, I'm normally a statistics guy, but in a sport where statistics I think are really not important, I found a whole different appeal to it. So that, that was probably um, one of the reasons it was, it was very different from the other sports I followed. Yeah. So basically you became a nerd about it. Like looking into the history. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like any good thing. I was the, Fernanda, I was the worst. I was the worst. I was asking, I had like an uncle and like a friend who were in it way before I was. And yeah. I was asking them every question I could. Who is this guy? Why Why is this guy so mad at this guy? Why is this guy a big deal? You know, it was like, it'd, be like, it'd be like Shogun. Like the first time I saw Shogun. And like, I think the first thing I saw was maybe the Forrest Griffin fight. I knew nothing about pride. So I'm like, why? Well, I don't get it. Like Forrest Griffin just beat this guy. Why is everyone telling me like Shogun is this big deal? Oh, and then, and then I saw the Mark Coleman fight, which was like, okay. But it was like, obviously not prime Shogun. It was right in between the the, the first prime of Shogun. And then the second, when he became a champion again, it was kind of that weird period. So my, my, mm -hmm. my first exposure to him was, was those, uh, was those two fights. And I was like, I don't get it. But I would ask people and they'd say, oh man, if you'd seen Shogun, yeah, yeah, check out this highlight, watch this fight. And that was kind of what's so fun of it. It was a very exciting thing to talk about with my friends until they got sick of it because I overdid it. <laughs> and as the UFC kept getting more popular, it used to be such a big deal. A lot of people can relate to this, the going over to people's friend's house, you know, a social thing to go see watch pay-per-views when it was one show every like six weeks. Mm -hmm. As it got as it got more and more popular, I still wanted to go over to everyone's house or have people over to watch every freaking fight night. And then uh, and people were just at some point were like, we're like, no, I I have a family now. I can't watch the UFC anymore. And I didn't understand <laughs> it. And I'm like, well, I don't have, I have that like problem, buddy. Life. So. <laughs> I, uh, I, gotta watch I have like actual other interests and other fulfilling activities. Uh, and yes. then you were like, and I'm I like, don't, no, so. I'm, I'm just getting into it. Yeah. I was just getting into it. Uh, and I just love that. It's still, it's still a very young sport. I think it's very cool. I, I really feel like we're somewhat fortunate to be in this, this uh, early period of, of MMA's development. I can really relate to that. Cause like I, I'm, I've been involved in it for like 11 years or something, but that's still not a long time. Like I did, I also didn't catch the pride thing. I also had my moments of like, but why, why is, is this guy such a big deal? And uh, for instance, uh, Fader, right? Like my introduction to a live Fader fight 
uh, was him losing to Fabrício Verdun. So it's like I needed, and I had back then I had a boyfriend who was completely obsessed with MMA and he had a website and I used to write for the website and do a podcast with him. So I would ask him like, okay, why is this supposed to be so shocking and, and strange? Cause I could see how shocked and freaked out he was about the whole thing. And then he explained it. And I, I did the same thing as you, like at first we all had the gatherings and we all thought it was fun. And then I totally overdid it. And then everybody was just like, really, you should have just, outgrown this stage of your life and I never did I guess I'm just emotionally stunted and here I am to this day covering MMA so that's that's something I have to live with every day and stare at myself it's, in it's the funny. mirror and make peace with some of the choices I made you know Fernanda it's funny you mentioned the fatal thing because <laughs> I, he said he said glossing over uh Fernanda's <laughs> existential <laughs> moment existential moment uh it's funny you mentioned the Fedor thing because I was absolutely one of the biggest like, oh, Brock would kill. I was like, Brock would kill Fedor, you know? And who knows? Maybe in his prime he would have. But at the time I had like, I knew no, I knew so little about Fedor. And even seeing the highlights, I was like, look, this guy's like small and pudgy. Brock is big and, <laughs> and muscly. I don't think it'd be much of a contest. And and now I'm on the opposite side of it. Now it's funny. Now I've seen some newer fans come along and being like, I and sounding just like I was when I entered the sport saying, I don't understand the Fedor thing. Like this guy is, especially if they watched him recently, they're like, oh, this guy was, you know, considered the greatest, is considered the greatest heavyweight of all time. And it really, like you really do have to explain to people kind of the context for that. Um, and it's fun to do. I actually kind of like explaining that stuff. Uh, not over Twitter, by the way. I think uh, you'd agree with me. <laughs> explaining or having any sort of debate over Twitter is senseless. But anytime you can sort of have conversations with fans or, or other members of the media, anybody uh, that, that doesn't understand the greatness of Fedor, it's actually really fun to kind of run down and try and explain all that stuff. So it's cool. I th- you're right. Yeah, I did. I totally nerded out about it. I guess that's what, yes, that is a big appeal of MMA. <laughs> well, that's good. I, and I feel like what you said about this being a sort of recent sport is that you get to do, like, there's not all that much catching up to do. Like, I, for one, that was something that really appealed to me. I felt like I was getting in on it uh, at a good time, even though obviously things had been happening since, I don't know, the early 90s, but it just Mm -hmm. felt like I was getting to witness something developing instead of, you know, oh, I guess I'm just going to get into baseball now, which would never happen because baseball is very boring. (laughs) But I digress. Yeah, and, um, and and the thing is, that, look, and and we're not we're not trying to say, you know, you know, we're not trying to say we know everything about the sport. Like, oh well, well, and that's you know, that's where we are now. We know everything about the sport. I, I, you know, we talk about modern MMA, like kind of starting in like the '90s, maybe. But I mean, of course, you can go back to the turn of the century, right? Like, I, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of like the Gracie family, um, and how all you know how all that stuff started. I've, I've read the occasional book. I've seen, of course, the occasional video. But that stuff, I'd love to, you know, even dig even further into someday. So it's such it's such a rich history. Um, that exp- expands just not just beyond MMA, but also how it relates to martial arts. And of course, again, pro wrestling. I think if people saw the connection, realize how deeply MMA and pro wrestling are connected, they would just be shocked. And it's all so fucking weird, right? Like, <laughs> that to me is the coolest thing. Like, MMA is just weird. Everything is weird. It's There's not a, like a... And that's why it's so freaking cool and why baseball is very boring. Okay, I'm going to stop bashing baseball. There's you, really no reason for that. Can you... Fernanda, can you imagine explaining to people the Uriah Hall, Anderson, let's talk about something that happened recently. The Uriah mm-hmm. Hall, Anderson Silva, the ending to that fight where Uriah beats him up and then it just bursts into tears and he just like crawls over to, to Anderson. He's like, and he's like sobbing, like the, gro- not, not like grown man crying. He's sobbing, going like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. Can you imagine someone like if that was like the first fight they ever watched, they'd be like, what the hell is going on? Like, what, what is this? But like, again, that's the kind of thing that really can only happen, well, I would say in pro wrestling, but I mean, as far as actual, like, you know, competitive sports, that's, yeah. can, that can only happen in MMA. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what, to me, and it, it's interesting because I've actually touched on this before and I, mm-hmm. I've asked a guest about this, like, what is MMA just more prone to encompassing contradiction than other sports. And I absolutely think it is because like you said, like we were just witnessing these people like inflicting physical harm upon each other. There's like, there's a switch that you have to flip. And then two seconds later, they're sharing this very deep and vulnerable and intimate moment. Cause it's very intimate, right? Like these are two at that moment, they are the only two people in the world who can really understand each other in a way. 
And we just went from that in like two seconds. It's insane. It's emotional whiplash with every MMA fight, in my opinion. And that's, you know, with all the shitty things that happen with it all the time. I do feel like this is the one thing that keeps bringing me back to MMA. Well, this and the fact that I'm not qualified to do anything else, but. Um. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, look, some people bond over, you know, can bond over conversation, can bond over, can yeah. bond over uh, karaoke in Toronto, for example, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and more power to them, you know, people who can bond that way. But guess what? Some of these guys who step into the cage, that's like the the peak of their of human interaction for them is getting to share that cage with a rival, someone they like, someone they don't like, someone they have no personal uh, you know feelings towards whatsoever. But that is a form of communication in there. It's a job, you know. It's a job. It's it's uh, it's, it's a hobby. It's fun. But there is also that yeah, we see those moments where it really is two people find the only way that they know how to communicate, uh, and usually by the end again, hugging, handshakes. Uh, thank you for thank you for thank you for fighting me. Thank you for sharing the cage with me, and I'll never get tired of that. And I'll never, never in any of my days get tired of that. It's why, it's why fight night, I think for me is still the, is still the best part of the job. Um, I know, yeah. I know we had a pretty crazy last 24 weeks of, of UFC events, uh, but mm-hmm. I always look forward to it. Uh, I don't care what's on the card. You're always going to find something. I'm not, I'm not saying every card's amazing, but I'm saying if you're a fan of MMA, for sure, you're always going to find, you know, something, something to, to, to work with some story. And that, that's really the beauty of it. And, uh, now moving past the good stuff and getting to the bad stuff because that's really oh, um my brand <laughs> no uh one thing that uh it's part of your job that i it always boggles my mind is that you're constantly in the comment section um and mma comment sections are a very difficult place for anyone to navigate (laughs) and i i know you're there a lot um you moderate comments and all this stuff but does that obviously doesn't ruin the sport or the enjoyment of the sport for you we were just talking about that but like that part of it uh does it dim i guess or does it like i don't know make it less fun for you? Are there moments when you're like looking at comments and things like that and you're just like, ugh, maybe I, sh- I should be doing something else with my life? Listen, Fernanda, I, I have a problem. Uh, I, <laughs> I have a, a legitimate, I, I realized it's, it's fun. I'm glad you brought this up because I realized this more than once, but definitely it, uh, I had a moment last night. Before I went to bed, one of the last mm. things I did was I visited our website, MMAfighting.com to check a few mm. articles just to read the comments. No, this is stop, the, Alex. This, this is what I did before I slept. Oh no. I, I, and let me tell you something, there were some rough ones in there and I was just like, why did I do this? What is it? <laughs> Cause what, one good benefit of the comments, I do enjoy uh, one of the best things probably when people, uh, cor- if, uh, if there's a correction, we make mistakes, you know, people drop mm-hmm. correction. Fa- fantastic you know I, I wish it didn't have to come to that i wish we caught all our mistakes but you know sometimes yeah. so i always that's why i even tell some of our, our other writers to say you know check the comments every now and then just in case i i'm usually checking yeah. but just in case I might, I might miss something but uh but yeah but uh, beyond that i do also just look for i don't know i want to see kind of the discourse that's going on uh i try to remember that it's a small group of people you know, uh, mm-hmm. that are leaving comments. So I try to avoid it. So I, I try to avoid saying stuff on Twitter like, man, I can't believe people are saying blah, blah, blah. Or I can't believe because I have yeah. to remember. I'm like, wait, how many people are saying that? It could le- it could legitimately yeah. just, just be these six people uh, in this comment mm-hmm. section or the same six people that I see in all these posts. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely something. My moderation needs moderation. Let me put it that way. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I, I have to tell myself, right? I, I have to tell myself to step away. Um, and again, that's not to take anything away. I'm not devaluing the comments of the fans. Again, everyone's opinion, I feel like has some sort of weight, maybe more so no. than others uh, are deserving of it. But yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, same with comments on Twitter. It's, it's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you and I have spoken on this before. It's definitely a little bit easier for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have that much of a following. I'm a very, uh, I'm very fairly inoffensive with my uh opinions i don't have any bold takes outside i mean except for I'm, I'm, limp biscuit your limp biscuit defenses I are what what's, yeah, what's these the problem? are i'm sorry i interrupted you but like this is i had literally written like i had this little script with questions for you and one was literally just uh-huh. limp biscuit it, uh, it didn't even yeah, have a look, question attached to it it was just something that i felt like well, needed to be addressed and you gave me an opening but it, 
I'm sorry for yeah. Look, it doesn't. It doesn't look for it doesn't apply to this section of the show because I've gotten nothing but compliments whenever I bring up Limp Bizkit online. So <laughs> I, I can't relate. I, I honestly can't relate. I, I I get I get people saying they love how much they love Nookie. Uh, what's mm-hmm. their top five, top five favorite Limp Bizkit albums? Uh, mm-hmm. The random Duval Absolutely. shout out, which is always fun. You know, people shouting. Yeah, people shouting Duval, uh, the home of Limp Bizkit. So I've I've only got heard good things. But I I thought about this recently because of you know let's I don't know if this is on your list of questions, but we had that the the Dana White video come out recently. The mm-hmm. Dana White, I, I beat is. the media video, which I was, I was so lovingly featured in. Uh, what an <laughs> honor! What an honor to be have my photograph grayed out, and to have uh, one very harmless comment included. Um, but uh, honestly, you know, uh, I know you know you, we talked about this, but I did not get like that much negativity. I had maybe one or two mm-hmm. wackos um, on uh, on Twitter, maybe DMing me, very very little. And I know for a fact that if this had happened to you, it would have been. Mm-hmm. A hundred times worse, and and uh, I guess for anyone listening who doesn't know what I mean, it's like for a lot of mem- female members of MMA media get it so much worse than the guys. Uh, I, I should only speak for myself. I don't get it that badly. Maybe a lot of other guys are getting bad stuff, but I know for a fact that yourself and other other uh, other female colleagues, I can't imagine. I can't imagine if you're if you if you had been featured in that video, what your name is more distinct than I am for sure. Like Alex Lee, very common name. Thank you. I don't think. I don't even think these, these jabronis could find me if they wanted to. Uh, but Fernando Plata You're kind of hard to find on Twitter. Like you need to I, do I the whole Alexander yes. K. Lee thing. So I think that works work to your advantage. It's way too much work for some of these people when you think about how much <laughs> how much effort they put into their trolling. That they're very low effort. Um, but I know again for you, I think it would have been so much harder. So I, I, I was very lucky to get away from that. But um, yeah, so for me in general. Yeah, maybe I read comments too much, um, uh, but I, I know amongst the members of the media, I do not. I have it pretty easy. The common thing, like, it's interesting because I'm not, I feel like there's a middle ground there. Like, a lot of people just, uh, now it's very different. Like, I'm doing features that are, like, usually fun, more fun and to a... Uh, an audience that is not your regular MMA audience. So like my life now is a little bit different, but like when I was writing for MMA Junkie, like uh, the comment sections, I I think they're like the comment section is less active than an MMA fighting. Like I kind of have this impression. I don't know if it's right or wrong, just something that it looked that way to me or maybe nobody read my stories. That was that, but like a lot of people would tell me when I talked about the comments, just like don't read the comments. And first of all, where are you living? Like we are living in front of a screen. We can't pretend that what happens online is not our our lives because it is, especially now with the current uh, moment. But also like we, I liked reading comments for reasons, like you said, like you get a pulse on what's happening. Uh, I got story ideas from comment sections, like common doubts and questions or, you know, even like somebody asking for something that wasn't clarified uh, in my write-up, like gave me an idea for a follow-up and things like that. So I don't, I don't think it's even like good for people to just pretend that comment sections aren't happening. But at the same time, like uh, it was Esther Lynn actually. I did a other pod, another podcast with her uh, after she had decided to sort of take a break or retire from MMA. I don't know where the status is with that exactly, but like, and she talked about she was moderating comments and she talked about. The problem is that, like you said, rationally, we can really think that, you know, these are just five or six people like this doesn't these aren't these are just like a vocal minority, I guess. Or these are just the sad trolls who are really that devoted to being nasty that they are out there being very diligent about it. But it's hard not to let that become your vision of the world. Right. Like if you're there all the time, it's really hard to, I guess, not mistake it for the world that has been sort of my struggle with replies and comments and everything else like just having to keep to engage with it because i think it's healthy to engage with it but like trying to keep that perspective that you know this is a small not let it seem like that's my entire universe but that's hard sometimes i feel like i fail at it very often yeah, I mean, for now, like, I I think you're a pretty, as, as far as I can tell, a, a pretty well liked member of the MMA community. Again, you've been you've been a, a writer for a long time, but your 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 presence, your personality, uh, in the MMA community, and I imagine you you do get a lot of compliments. I'm sure uh, Esther Lynn, we know, is one of the most beloved combat sports photographers yeah. of the past twenty years. 
mm-hmm. maybe the, maybe the one of the I would say I mean I'm I'm not an expert on combat sports photography, but I would safely say one mm-hmm. of the greatest of all time. Um, and I'm sure she gets lots of comments too. But at, but at the same time, I, I I totally understand for you guys. It's how how I want people who are listening to kind of understand. If, if if you and Esther and a lot of other writers, people who have a lot of fans and people who send them comments, how bad the other side of it must be, you know what I mean, for you guys to have to 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 not be able to ignore that. Because it, it's a problem. It's a problem. And when Esther brought it up, she brought it up on a couple of shows. Like I said, I'm sure she spoke to you about it. Um, she, she she didn't want to blame, you know, trolls or what have you for for chasing her away. Um, mm-hmm. But but she she had to point out that that was one of the reasons why her her view of the business had changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a shame. And that's a shame. And and I don't think you or Esther or anyone else, uh, you know, again, should ever have to explain or apologize for like, oh, letting these trolls get to you. Why do you respond to them? Why do you can't? You, why don't you just block them? Why can't you? It's like the problem will always be the trolls like that. These are the people that we need to ask. Why are they doing this? Why can't they stop? You know what I mean? Uh, it's, a, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's funny how many people misinterpret it and, and don't seem to understand what the root of the problem is, you know? And kind of, like I said, I feel like a lot of people just hide behind them. You know, it's just Twitter. It's just the internet. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. What what year are you living in? <laughs> we are Twitter and the like. That's our lives too. We can't just pretend like you turn off the app and oh, this is your real like. Especially now when so much of our lives spent in front of screens. Uh, when Esther said that, like uh, it was a bunch of us uh, talking to Nancy Kidder. I don't know if you yes. saw this. Like yeah, I did, yeah, for her class and. You know, a lot of people were just like, oh, that's a shame. That's, and it is, but at the same time, like, I can really understand uh, just the, you know, like the feeling that you need to protect yourself a little bit. And I feel like Esther, and it's a, it's a personality thing too. Like I said, I'm sure like the comments that Esther got were mostly positive and it's not necessarily the, com- from what I understood, it wasn't even necessarily the comments directed at her. It was like the stuff that she was reading in comment sections about a variety of topics. Uh, and I don't know, like, this is something I've been wondering and I wanted to ask you about, like, I feel like we've always had these sort of conflicts in MMA, right? Like, you have certain, like, you have a certain treatment of female fighters, like, whenever there is an allegation of domestic abuse or something, like, we get to really see the worst of people. Uh, we have seen that time and time again uh, in MMA and everything else, really, but... This year, like, we had a new layer of it, right? Because we had COVID and we have, like, the mask, the anti-mask movements and the uh, COVID denialism and just uh, a whole new layer of just making it hard for us to exist on the internet. And uh, I don't know, like, has has 2020 made it harder for you to be an MMA fan? 2020 has made it harder for me to be a human being. Uh, if I'm being honest, I've <laughs> realized I'm I'm pretty uh, reclusive as it is. I'm 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 a house mouse mm-hmm. as I describe myself uh, to my fellow MMA fighting crew. Uh, I like I like being home. I like going to events every now and then too. But for the most part, I don't know if I could ever be that road warrior type journalist. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I like staying in. But I realized not being able to see even friends and family uh, in person. I've lost the ability to even kind of. Uh, converse properly uh, like this podcast today i have no idea how it's going to come out i may come off as a total sociopath <laughs> i have no idea i have no you will not i i have no concept for it anymore i don't know how to talk to people it, it's funny how you realize speak just uh, talking to people is a, is a skill that you that you keep yep. alive every day we take it for granted we t- it's it's something we do you know, it's not something you work on you just you talk you have multiple conversations a day now you're depending what your living situation is you might be having maybe two or three actual in-person conversations a day um, mm-hmm. Which is fine, but it's one. It's with the same people, probably. Uh, and two, when you when you and then when you have to go back and talk to maybe someone you haven't spoken to in six months, it's kind of weird. You almost like can't find a rhythm. Um, it's like that, uh, people don't know. Uh, uh, Fernando and I actually spoke for, to for, to each other for twelve hours yesterday, uh, just to to practice for this podcast. So hopefully, so so I don't know how good this guy's. I don't know how good this is, but guys, you're getting the best right now of what of what we got left. Uh, you're because, like in yes. four different podcasts, though. That's not human interaction. And I'm, talk- <laughs> and I'm talking with with troglodytes like Jed Mashu, Jose Young, <laughs> Casey like, yeah. Casey Lydon. Oh, oh, oh. oh, sorry, 
Sorry, just saying it makes me not. Mike Heck's the best. I'm not going to. I can't even jokingly say anything about it. Mike Heck's my. I love Mike Heck. He's still like the one of them I don't really know, but he seems so nice. He's a delight. He just seems like a sweetheart. And I've never met him him in person. I've never met him in person. How crazy is that, right? Well, like you said, you don't travel that much for events. So there's that. Yeah. But like you, you're gonna, you still having to pretend to be human. Like you're appearing in front of like a camera. Like I yeah. feel like being in so many podcasts is forcing you to stay at least somewhat in touch with with your humanity. Yeah, and hi- keep my reptilian, you know, uh, form. <laughs> yeah, hidden. Yes, they haven't seen that yet. Uh, well, but, but you know, friend, one thing you've mentioned before about um, people asking, like, why does it? What, how can how how can someone you know talking crap over the internet like affect you as much as in person? In some ways, it's almost more disturbing because if someone insults you in person, you have a full picture of this human—not a full picture—you have a more full picture of this human being than you would. Yeah. If it's some random tweet where you're like, I don't know if you're like me, uh, friend, but I do get again. I know you 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 get some you know negative comments. I get I get them rarely, but when I get them. I get one where I, I can't, I, I'm thinking about it for a little bit. I'm like, why did this person write this? Who is this person? I'll look at their account and, you know, maybe they end up being, uh, just, you know, their behavior shows a pattern of idiocy. But, <laughs> but, but even then, even then I'm like, but why? Like, why, why, how did they end up like this? Why are they like this? Uh, yeah, you know, and we're inquisitive people. Maybe that's part of it. You know, that's kind of why we got into uh, uh, media as well. We're inquisitive people. So I, I, I think it's ju- it's just as disturbing. If someone insults me in the street, I'm like, okay, it'll bother me. But at least I can sort of look at the person and be like, well, I can kind of, I have a better grasp of what this person is. I don't know what an internet stranger is. I don't know what this, I don't know if it's a man, if it's a woman, uh, some, 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 someone else. It's a else, man. You know? it's, it's usually it's, a man. It's, don't worry about it. It's a man. Right. And, but, but not knowing uh, anything else beyond just this comment, this like, you know, hundred something word comment. It's that, that, that really, that eat can eat at me sometimes. Uh, and I have to learn to just step away and just not think about it. But for sure, I think it's just as devastating as some rando getting into a little argument with some rando in the street. I don't see there. I don't think there's much of a difference. I was going to ask you about like, if, if it does again, like I, we're both, you, you mentioned, but I think we're both like low profile members of the MMA community. Like I don't even have like 10,000 followers on Twitter. Like I don't, I don't like, I see some of our colleagues tweet a thing and I just know there's going to be a bunch of garbage down there. And I get the occasional garbage. Like if somebody like Luke Thomas RTs me or whatever, like I brace myself for whatever's coming, but in general, I don't get it. But like we all get the occasional negative comment and what you do, like a lot of video and stuff and, and stuff on YouTube, which is to me the worst, uh, YouTube is the worst place. Like the comment sections on YouTube are the absolute worst. I try to sort of keep that perspective that this is just like a random face or whatever, but I don't know, like it just stings. And when Aaron Bronstetter was on the show, like he gave me this very like sage advice. It's like, oh, when people are saying negative things on the internet, like try to think of it as a mirror. Like this is a person who's talking more about their own, you know, dissatisfactions and their own problems like this is them talking to themselves it says more about them than it does to you and consciously i'm on board with everything that he's saying but like emotionally (laughs) i can't bring myself to feel that way just the other day uh i ended up like there was a reddit thing i was looking for an old link and in one of the uh comments a guy called a one random guy called me a terrible heck writer like just that, just that sentence. And it's been three weeks and I'm still like digesting that very poorly. So there's that. There's not a question attached yeah, to this. It's, I'm just like. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not easy to shrug off. And just today I had at least a couple of moments where uh, some article we wrote today, someone had a problem with how we phrase a certain sentence. Uh, grammatically, mm-hmm. it was fine. When I mm-hmm. read the comment, I'm like, okay. I sort of understood why the correction they were offering, but uh, they also offered the correction in a snarky way. It was like, you know, they write the correction, uh, they go, yeah. "Come on, come on, guys, do better." Which is one of the <laughs> That's a classic. has to be one of the most annoying uh, comments that uh, right. I think online writers, I think a lot of online writers get this: "Do better, guys, do better." And I, oh my I think God. people All think the they're time. being right. I think they think they're being helpful or smart. I think they think they're being smart or that they're giving us advice in a stern way. Uh, but it's like no, it just makes me never want to listen to anything you ever say. Uh, that's the that's oh, the last God. thing I'm gonna I'm gonna say, right? Um, so, and, and, but I ignored it. I didn't. Junkie happened all the time. I didn't. 
right? And and you want to respond, but I've learned. I'm. T- I have to tell myself one. Don't respond. I'm not even. I'm not going to delete the comment. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, right, but you have to teach yourself. Like, okay, it, it's kind of like what Aaron says. Let let these people talk. They're talking. They're not. They're they're kind of talking at us, but they're also kind of talking to each other. They're having a conversation with other people on the internet. Let it go. Uh, and unless someone, the powers above me, someone comes along and says, you know, hey, can I clean up the comments? There's too many annoying a holes in there. I will gladly do it. But I think choosing choosing to take on that uh, role is a little bit of a little bit insane. So you have to sort of learn to let things slide. Now, I mean how much you let things slide, that's the really tricky part, right? Yeah. Because like you said, when it comes to, let's say, YouTube comments, those can get real, real raw and real hurtful. And how much of it is allowing people to spout off and say what they want and speak their mind and how much of it is actually fostering a culture of insensitivity and, you know, nastiness. It's tough, right? It's tough. But when you stand by, if you stand by and don't do anything, you know, it's that old saying, right? Is it just as bad as, as propagating it? So... I don't know. I'm. St- I, I work. I, I struggle with moderation every day. <laughs> that's, that's, I. That's honestly, I could never do it. Legit, like that's a job I would. T- I've. I. I'm one of those people. Like I'll try anything once. Like I've had so many different jobs that in my mind it didn't seem like a fit for me, and I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Like moderating comments right off the bat. I don't have the emotional stability to do that. I. The the thing you mentioned it really reminded me because that junkie happened all the time. Like you get a record wrong. And somebody would say, like, come on, guys, don't you have editors? Like, these oh. are the writers. And, like, there's a whole story, like a whole thing. And this person zoomed in on a wrong record that, like, slipped by because you're doing a bunch of things. And this seemed minor. And you can go on freaking topology and get that information. And this <laughs> is what this person is freaking focusing on. Uh, but I, I, too, had a very unhealthy relationship with comments. So without having to moderate them. So I can't even imagine. Like, I... I I wouldn't be able, it would eat me alive. Like I just don't have, I can honestly say that unlike Aaron, I'm just a very emotionally weak person. <laughs> like <laughs> everything gets in me. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned it, like getting back to it. Of course, it was in my list of questions. Uh, the infamous Dana White video uh, <laughs> late last year, um, UFC president Dana White um, divulged the video that I, I don't even have the words to describe it. It just baffled me in so many levels. But basically the gist of it was, um, you know, it was a piece of sort of propaganda talking about how the UFC came out of uh, just the whole COVID situation so on top and how brave they were to like insist on putting on events. But like the, the thing that really baffled me was that they picked a little bits of journalists like and. They picked some of some quotes and some headlines and everything, but like they picked the journalists, they put their names with their pictures looking like mugshots. And you, who had just made a very tame uh, comment, totally harmless, was there with your uh, mugshotty picture, which became a big hit in our WhatsApp group. Uh, <laughs> and the whole I, I I still I still honestly I've written a little bit about it like I've I've tried to talk about this but I still have a tough time wrapping my head around the whole thing uh the video is out there if you're listening to this I'm pretty sure you know it exists but if not it's very easy to find uh but being there on that video Alex I guess what was your first reaction or your first thoughts when you saw that you had been included in it I had no interest in watching this video. I saw that, you know, we keep, I keep track of social media. I saw the tweet come up, did not even click on it. I was like, okay, I don't even know what this video is. I don't care. Literally five minutes after it comes out, uh, my colleague, Damon Martin says, congrats, AK, you made the video. And I'm like, what are you? And of course I'm like, oh no, oh no. So I, I I turned it on. And of course the first thing I did, by the way, was uh, look for my own, I didn't care about the rest of the video. I just looked for myself. Uh, that's that's the kind of person I am. So I immediately just kind of scanned to I think ish where I was told to to check out, and I was like, but it, it happened so fast, I almost missed it. I'm literally in there for maybe two seconds. It's really and quick, I was yeah. just like, right, and I'm just like, that is, I'm like, why? And then the the logistics of this video are mind boggling. When, how long have they been compiling all these clips from? Like, uh, again, because I, yeah. I don't think this is something they did last minute. I think they've been very reasonably culling clips for the last, you know, three or four months. Uh, how many people worked on this? How much money was put into this? Uh, why? 
you know, just why was a big why question looming over this video. Um, what, like really, to what end? What, why was it all about Dana White and not about the fighters? You know, I, I think uh, Kamara Usman's in there and I don't even think yeah, his name. Just him. I don't even think his name is, right? And, and, and there's no name tag. So if anyone who's like a, sort of a casual sports fan is watching this, they they don't even put the fighter's name there. It's 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 grotesque in many ways. Uh, I still think it's funny. I still think the video is funny. I, I don't I don't mean to shrug it off. It is a bad piece of propaganda, but I I'm, I can admit I was amused by the whole concept. The, the, the wrong stamp is just hilarious. And I'm just so mad that I wasn't stamped on. Uh, my face did not make it. What, Poor Brian Campbell what, got it real bad. Oh, the stamp! True, there was there were stamps. <laughs> right? I think Josh Gross, I think, got stamped on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, I a lot of people it. Video, Yeah. I feel right? like I I did enough to earn my spot in that video, and women were very underrepresented on it. I think there one, was only one one woman, woman from NPR. <laughs> so <laughs> all- again, this goes to show. <laughs> <laughs> this goes to show how big of a problem uh, of representation uh, MMA has in general. Right. Because there was I, a lot of. Well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think I made it in there. Uh, I, I'm Asian. So there we go. They checked that box off. And then also, I think my comments were so. Anyone who's listened to me or seen my writing, I am as middle thermometer as you can get with my takes. I am not a hot take guy. I'll, I'll break one out mm-hmm. every now and then for for a debate show. If we have to do it, we do the Great Divide uh, debate articles on the website. So sure, I'll crank it up a little bit uh, for those. <laughs> but generally, I'm I'm very like open to just hearing what everyone has to say. And uh, and my comments still stand. My comment on the video, I believe, was something just saying, uh, this is a very high-risk thing to do. You can't guarantee safety, which is true, which has been proven true by yeah. everything that's happened. Look at all the uh, the cancellations we've had over the last couple of months, right? And uh, that continue to happen. So uh, I was never, uh, I think people just need to we were never saying the UFC was evil and that they should shut down. We were saying that they weren't taking it seriously at first. Uh, Dana White specifically was not taking it seriously at first, which he wasn't. And you only have to go back to the infamous uh, pre, you know, before COVID hit, this press conference where Mark Vermondi, uh, a colleague of mine asked, uh, of ours, I should say, asked, what are you guys doing about this COVID uh, situation that's developing and Dana White scoffed at the question he got the whole crowd to boo him to boo a to boo a grown man uh, and literally literally I think I don't know if it was weeks a week later or a couple of weeks later we had the whole shutdown of, of all the sports entertainment the whole world um, so we were just asking questions there's no right or yeah. wrong by the way for the record it's not like oh Dana was white right and we were wrong or or all these uh, positive tests prove we were right there's no right or wrong it's not a right or wrong debate. It's people asking questions. And the UFC staff, by the way, and the fighters and coaches, I, I'll never say anything but good things about them volunteering themselves for this, providing entertainment for people who need it, providing, uh, you know, a, a, again, a lot of stuff for us to work on in the media. So for sure. But don't expect me to ever, ever apologize to Dana White for uh, for those of us in the media asking questions. That is not happening. That's crazy because you. that's basically, I think you touched on everything. Like this, these... Uh, you know, excerpts and the, and the headlines, everything like it was taken from most of it. Luke Thomas actually did a whole Twitter thread, like detailing from uh, where every little thing that they they put on the video came from. And it was all from that really dodgy moment where everything was shutting down and Dana White was insisting and pushing forward with events. And they were talking about holding an event like indigenous uh, Native American land so that they could avoid regulation. And we were asking these questions just basically like, okay, but how is this going to work? And this was taken like as a per and none of these questions were being answered. They were scoffed at or like completely dismissed and it became a whole thing. And at the time, like I, I honestly, like it's not that, you know, as media, you sort of used to being scapegoated for everything and stuff. But like at the time I remember just, I never felt in MMA such a large rift between fans and fighters too because they were very much yelling against us a lot of them and managers and stuff and the media like on the other end of it and I left it off uh, because it's funny and like I wasn't personally dragged into any of this and uh, you know looking at the video it's so crazy that one has to laugh but at the same time like I don't know like I was emotionally I was still upset (laughs) like that's the thing right like consciously I was trying to like extricate myself from the entire situation like we're just doing our jobs and this is 
a thing that happens and I shouldn't be upset that this random person on the internet is yelling at the media as if we're this evil monolith. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I remember at the time and then after the video came out, because it really reignited a lot of that sentiment, like I feeling a little bit like maybe irrationally, but personally hurt uh, by that situation. Uh, were you like at all then or now, like, did that whole situation, the whole like the media is the enemy, uh, bitch forks and whatever situation, like, did it affect you in any way? Like, were you rationally or irrationally upset about about the whole situation? You know, it, it made me sad. It made me sad more than anything. Um, mm -hmm. But like you said, there's nothing new. Uh, mm -hmm. This sort of adversarial relationship that Dana White and people like him and people that he admires uh, not yeah. you know, not to name names, but there there are Donald Trump. This is how and, well, yes, and I other despots. I don't I'll even want to mention. <laughs> People know who I'm I'll talking name about, them. but it's this this adversarial relationship with the media is is funny, and I, and mm -hmm. I'm not telling people that everything we say is gospel because that's definitely not true. We get things wrong. We have opinions mm -hmm. that are gonna yeah. that are that are that are gonna not gonna reflect reflect everyone else's uh, the the opinion of certain segments of the population. That's how these things work, guys. Um, but to say to not trust any media is crazy. Uh, the, the, yeah. There's there's a <laughs> there's a lot of work that come, goes into uh, bringing people the truth, bringing people news, um, bring people reports, bring people entertainment. You know, um, there's a lot of work that goes into that, and it's okay to dismiss it. But I would always tell people at least give it give it an examine, examine it, examine why you're dismissing it, and then I'd say find some sort of outlet that you do trust. You know, um, so yeah, so to see these kind of broad strokes taking these broad attacks from the UFC and from Dana White is, is it's really, it's really despicable and really disappointing. And it's a step back for everyone. I know fans think they don't need the media, but mm -hmm. I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, we need the fans. I, 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 I don't, I don't make any bones about that as much as we complain about certain bad, you know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of bad fans, but there's a lot of good fans too. And we need them. Okay. We don't, we don't have, a, it's absolutely true. We don't have a job without fans, without fans reading our stuff and watching our videos, listening to our podcast. So, uh, and, and it's just, I wouldn't want to cover something where there wasn't a community, right? That's, We've talked about let's you know bring it to the beginning of this, of this uh, this sort of this podcast. Why did I get into MMA? I loved mm -hmm. the community. I really did. Even though there was many of the same warts that we have now, uh, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Every sport, every sports fan base has again good and bad. So I loved the community. I loved learning from people, um, people I knew, people I didn't know. I just I thought it was such such a cool thing. And mm -hmm. when you when when you create this divide between the media and fans, then we lose something. We lose the ability to tell certain stories. We lose the ability to communicate yeah. certain things. We lose that trust. And then it limits us. Uh, we end up doing, you know, creating clickbait stories because that's 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 the only thing that we can do to get a reaction. And that sucks. Yeah. That sucks, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, I think about uh Fernanda, you know, your time with the Athletic. I think that you did some amazing work there. Uh, I don't know, Sean did some great done some great work there. Ben, I love those articles, but I know for a fact that uh, whether it's because of attention span or because of again whatever it is that people choose to digest, those stories don't resonate anymore. And I think uh, those like long form, and you know, I'm talking about long form and in depth stories that are not just based on like two or three quotes that are really researched and take time. And I feel like people because they don't trust the media anymore. That's one of the reasons they mm -hmm. dismiss those stories and that those stories aren't popular anymore. And I and I that's sad. That's just the saddest saddest thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I I laugh out of the absurdity of it. Um, and I wish I, I wish, you know, we weren't talking about it in such a way, but that's what happens when, when one of the many reasons why this divide between the media and fans is bad. And I wish we could all just mm -hmm. learn to trust each other and get along with each other more, even if we don't always agree, but you know, that's me, uh, you know, being the eternal optimist. <laughs> yeah. It's adorable. Really. Uh, it's a nice counterpoint oh. to everything <laughs> I bring to the table. Uh, but it is, it's interesting. Like for me, it was, uh, I, I, that's the whole thing. During the whole thing, I was like, do not make this about yourself. But of course, I made it about myself because that's what I do. Uh, the thing is that, like, it's very hard as a person because a lot of the accusations, quote unquote, that were happening, I feel like were, oh, you don't want the fighters to get paid and you don't want this, like, that, like as if there was this, like, malicious bottom line uh, that the MMA media was in on it. Like, this was something that we wanted to bring harm to fighters and things. And after, like, 10 years of my life interviewing fighters and like trying so hard to like be fair to them and tell their stories and this is not me being like oh poor me like oh, i'm so generous i spent all this time this all my entire life interviewing fighters because i 
think this is the a beautiful form of no like this is my job and i get paid to do it and that's you know one of the many reasons why i do it but you know it's just it it, it, it hits you on a personal level when somebody starts like doubting your motives and painting you like you said in those really broad strokes as if you're part of this conspiracy theory that even it makes no sense like why would we want to bring down the ufc like we get we need to write about mma never for a living and the UFC is like the biggest promotion. I'll never understand. It makes absolutely no sense. Like, it's just, why? Because we want to be evil and do evil things. Uh, so so through the entire thing, I was just trying to like separate my own sort of tendency to really take things very personally when I shouldn't, but at the same time, feeling like I needed to defend myself. And of course, all of us like, no, we're not evil people. We're nice. Like, just get to know us. And it was just I, honestly like it was really hard for me. I, I think about quitting MMA like every two days. But like that was one of the times that I feel like I've came the closest. Um, but to wrap this up, it is personal. No. It is. personal. Yeah, right. When, when people when people say something like. Well, I, I, I mean, I can only laugh when people go like, gosh, they, some of these writers must only be in it for the money. Like, they don't even love the sport. They're in it for the money. And Which, like, where's the oh money? My God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that were true. Gosh, if that what were true. What money? I mean, and I, I, I tell people, I, I wish it, that were true. It, I wish that I were the soulless, soulless right? person who didn't, who didn't love <laughs> MMA. And I just wrote because I was making like high six figures every year. Oh, I wish that was true. And I would rub it in people's. If that were true, I would Dude. rub it in your. For anyone who says, I'm saying this is directed for people who are listening to this. Who actually, I don't. I think you have a smart listener. So for the, the the stray troll who's listened this far in, uh, I wish it were true, and I would rub it in your face if it were true. I would rub it right in your face. How much money I made if I didn't love MMA and I was making high six figure, I would just be. I'd be tweeting about it every day. <laughs> You'd be that a total dick about it, and I don't. I you would not. Hundred percent. You can't. 100%. It's just not any. Like you're just a nice person. Like miss it's just who you are. Uh but that's the and it's crazy, right? Because like you can't, it's not that like I said, I'm not like trying to be like, oh my God, I'm such a nice person who's like doing this for uh there's and it's not just because there's vanity too. There's a lot of things. And we get a lot of shit wrong all the time. Like you said, like I'll be the first to admit it. And but it's just like being painted as like just this evil asshole. Um, I did not appreciate it one bit. Like I'm an evil asshole for many reasons, but not right. in journalism. It's, <laughs> it's, no, it's like, it's like, it's like, how could you get that from my writing? Like people normally have to know me for like at least a couple of weeks before they figure that out. There's no way you got that just from my writing. There's exactly. no way you figured like, out what a, what, hang what a piece out with of crap me. I am. Yeah, absolutely. Like hang out yeah. with me, talk to the people who know me and then make an informed decision yeah. to hate me. Just yeah. Don't, now you'll you now know. you'll really see what a piece of crap I am. If you actually <laughs> spend some time with me, you ain't seen this article is not representative of the, the darkness of my soul. And I would really appreciate it if you at least talk, call, you know, talk to me on the phone and then you'd really, really hate me. So you know? that's that's the message. We're going to have yeah. Alex's number uh, at yep. the end of the show on yeah, the yep. description. Then just call him and then figure it out. for. That's what we're taking away from this uh, episode. And then you yep. go in and, and make that decision for yourself. So we'll start a hashtag like why Alex really sucks or something like that. Uh, it's a... a it's a little Something. long. It's a little long, but we'll. It's we'll, a, we'll, I'll, we'll work it. It's a, it's a work in progress. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. uh, we're about to wrap this up, but I before we do, uh, I guess I asked you to think about this beforehand since we're starting a new year. Um, if you had to pick one wish for MMA in twenty twenty one, what would it be? Uh, my wish is very selfish. Aside from wanting the media and fans to get along more but i think i've said that <laughs> on many many shows i've been on that's not a, that's not a, that that was a wish six months ago not just now uh i just need to see ryan hall fight i don't know how it's okay. gonna happen uh he's had a lot of he's had a lot of bad luck with matchups with injuries with just whatever reason i need to see ryan it feels i think it's only been maybe a little over a year since he last fought it feels like it's been like three years Okay, I like watching Ryan Hall fight. I don't know what people think about his personality, about his style. He's been in some. He's made some fighters look some perfectly competent fighters look horrible. That's what I love about him. Ryan Hall in the cage to me represents everything I love about the weirdness and randomness of MMA. I 
I need to see him make an appearance in, in 2021. I'll, I will be so disappointed if we don't get a Ryan Hall fight this year. More, dis- more, more disappointed than anything, any matchup not happening, Ryan Hall not versus anyone not happening, it will break my heart. More disappointed than Kobe Covington and Masvidal or Joan Jones and anyone. Ryan Hall is your... I is don't care about any of those fights. Compared to just Ryan Hall getting his skinny butt back in the ring, <laughs> I... Uh, in the cage, excuse me, that, that no, nothing compares. I don't care if, if we got that and everything, every other major fight got like canceled, uh, you know, for non injurious reasons, hopefully I'd be happy. Give me one Ryan Hall fight this year. I'll be happy. That's, that's beautiful. Your dedication to Ryan Hall, which rivals only your dedication to Limp Biscuit, is, is something that I feel like it's close. We should all aspire to. Um, it's close. yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, Alex, um, thank you so much. I guess that wraps it up. Is there anything you're more uh, famous than me and you have a bigger platform than I do. So I guess this is uh, uh, pointless. But is there anything you want to plug point uh, our listeners to have them watch, see, uh, call your names on Twitter, whatever? Uh, Just look, yeah, just please keep checking out our fine, fine work at www.mmafighting.com. Easy to say, easy to remember. Uh, check us out on Twitter, at MMA Fighting. And uh, that's it. Leave, and you know what? Keep leaving those comments, guys. Keep leaving those nice <laughs> comments because uh, I'm reading them. I'm reading all of them. Uh, well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you, Alex, for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, Dolly Parton, for your general presence on this planet Earth. Mm-hmm. This has been the best camp of my life. Uh, see you next week.